Okay, this is Sean Donovan, and you're listening to the guys at Send Central. There's no more experiments now. It's over. So we put guys in um, tough situations to manage because that's what the NHL is. And some guys are able to manage it better than others. And, um, yeah, some guys are still here and some guys are gone. Hello, Sens fans, and welcome to episode 23 of Making Sense of the Sens. I'm Ross Levitan. Alongside me is Brandon Piller. What's up, guys? Chris Parliament. How's it going? How's it going? And Jeremy Hewson. Hey. Uh, final cuts at Sens Camp were announced yesterday. Max McCormick, the forward. But the more interesting cuts came on the back end. There was a log jam, it seemed, between maybe that four and nine spot. And we've got an answer, at least for now. Of course, the captain's still on the mend. But Ben Harper and Prospect, who we've made pretty clear how we think of him on the show, Thomas Shabbat, has been sent down to Belleville, kind of a nice opportunity for Belleville fans getting to see um, a top prize prospect in their first season uh, since moving from Binghamton. What are your initial thoughts, Chris, on the moves? Well, I like this move a lot because this allows him to go down and be a number one defenseman in an environment that mirrors the system that Guy Boucher is going to be running with the big club. Shout out Kurt Kleinendorf. He's going to be the guy at the helm down there in Belleville. And we mentioned Boutillier hired on as an assistant coach in previous podcasts who is the head coach for Thomas Shabbat last season. And I really think this is still a good move because he's still a developing guy. Like when you're young, you're always developing. We, of course, like Ross said, we've talked about how his talents are what we think is NHL ready so far, but we just heard, heard Guy Boucher and what you said, Ross, that it's kind of a logjam down there in the back end. But when you look at this, he's developing against men. And that, I think, is the biggest part of all of this. And again, like you said, Ross, it's inaugural season down there, so there's still some hype around Belleville, so it's still something for him to get up for at the start of the season. Yeah, I know me and Ross had mentioned, I think in the last show or the show before, we both thought he deserved a spot on this team. And he might still deserve a spot, but it's kind of hard to go away with what's proven to have worked in the past, specifically Eric Carlson. They did the same thing. He got a he got some time down in, well, what was Binghamton. So that obviously worked out quite well for them. May as well, uh, if you're going to have Carlson 2.0 come out, may as well have the same... Uh, the development curve develop, type yeah, exactly. thing. And another thing, uh, of course, results aren't all that's made out to be in preseason, but a minus five in the last preseason there uh, against the Montreal Canadiens. A couple very um, obvious mistakes, uh, to, for lack of a better term. Uh, most of this show, though, uh, we are going to touch a little bit more on the Senators, but um, this show is going to be mostly an Atlantic Division preview. So we're going to talk about um, the main guys fighting for a, what is a wide open division could be the Tampa Bay Lightning the Toronto Maple Leafs Montreal Canadiens Boston Bruins Buffalo Sabres or the Florida Panthers you'll notice i omitted the Detroit Red Wings from that one um to the chagrin of our producer Brendan Purdy lifelong Detroit fan it hasn't been that tough for you so it's some lean years will be fine you you guys will be all right you can but, use some lean years <laughs> but uh Guy Boucher actually had a great quote today uh, that we'll play for you when uh, discussing just the reason why Thomas Shabbat's been sent down can we have him on the ice in the at the NHL level now yes as he played above uh, our vets no that's the answer so he hasn't surpassed our guys in uh, in a lot of the details the pro details that matter and one of those details 
<laughs> in terms of an old school mentality, guy like Ibusha is plus minus, which we mentioned. Uh, it did not look too pretty in that last game uh, against the Montreal Canadiens. Now the Sens open their season on Thursday. It looks pretty good for Derek Broussard. Like he'll be able to get back in time from shoulder surgery. He's been bumping around in practice. Has lost the no contact jersey for a while. Uh, Brandon, what's your opening night roster look like if you do have Broussard in between Ryan and Stone? Keep, keep brass right there. I mean, that's a great line. And your fourth line is going to be a mix-up. We'll see if uh, Nate Thompson, Pyatt, and Formanton happens. I'm kind of intrigued by that line. I, I would really like that. It, it, Where's see, Brown fit? He would, in that situation, would be the odd man out. If brass is playing, then they, Brown, Brown's the guy out. It was pretty interesting There's, today at practice how Pajot was playing on that fourth line. And if that's the case, then you have two centermen on that fourth line. Uh, being Pajot and Thompson, and then I, Brown fits in in the third line. I can't see them having Brown stay up with a big club and sit. Well, it's between but that then and play what? him out of position. Yeah, they're not, they're not going to make him sit. It's a complete waste of development. Yeah, but is it? Because Thomas Shabbat did it last year, and that's what this nine-game tryout is so nice because you can have him up and you can learn how to be a pro. Shabbat this. played one and, game. Yeah, but yeah, the Sens but, are going out west in the second week of the season. I don't think that can be overlooked. Having these 19-year-old kids around for that flight, um, learning the pro lifestyle on the road, a back-to-back Calgary and Edmonton, it can only help a guy like Alex Formanton as well um, to to know what that next level is like. Give him a taste, but don't give him the whole meal. Let them go back and and work and and for her, to finish the pun, be hungry to get back to that level. Well, I think Logan Brown's earned a nine-game tryout right now, too, because he's done his time in junior. This would He's played three seasons down there, and he won last year. So, I mean, this is a guy that's kind of earned a spot. I don't think another year of junior is good for him, and he's a big guy. I think he's physically ready to be in the NHL. So he put up a pretty good show in the rookie tournament, played well in the preseason as well. So why not give him this nine-game shot like they did with Shabbat last year? Absolutely. And uh, you mentioned that, London, or that Windsor Spitfires team that, that won the Memorial Cup. That's a great kind of segue into the season preview because a guy who I've got circled on the Tampa Bay Lightning depth chart, who I think is going to be a major reason if they make noise this year, is Mikhail Sergachev. This, the big Russian, uh, ninth overall pick in 2016. Seems like he's ready to make noise. He's uh, partnered with Anton Strollman, who's been partnered with uh, Victor Hedman the last few seasons. And... I'm curious what you guys think, where he'll slot into the Tampa Bay uh, kind of system. A, pre- a pretty aging defense with Braden Coburn there. They brought in Dan Girardi. Um, is he really going to get a chance under John Cooper? Well, I think you look at this and does he get his chance under John Cooper? We'll see. I mean, that's a bit of a log jam on that back end as well in Tampa Bay. But also, he's got those Russians around him that could really help him out in his development. We saw... With Ottawa, Daniel Alfredson really took Eric Carlson under his wing, and if you get older guys in the NHL, it really makes a guy like Mikhail Sergachev a lot more comfortable, and when he comes up, and if he starts to put some numbers on the board, I don't think you can really put him back down or take this second-line spot away from him. Uh, kind of interesting wrinkle to the trade that sent him there. If, if he plays 40 or more games this season with the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Montreal Canadiens will be awarded a second-round pick from Tampa Bay. Um, I don't know if that's enough to to send a guy down so quickly, but 
he he's just impressed all preseason, and uh, that power play could be deadly, especially if Stamkos can get healthy. I think this Lightning defense might be the biggest defensive core to ever be assembled. Victor Hedman, what, 6'6-ish? Mikhail Sergachev, you said 6'3". Braden Coburn's about 6'6 as well. And then you have Andre Schuster, who's pushing 6'8". That's a huge (laughs) back end. And Jake Dodgson, maybe one of the uh, smaller guys on that list, can throw his weight around. Uh, I forget, was it Crosby? There was somebody who he absolutely leveled last year. I think he got a, a suspension for it as well. Jake Dodgson is 6'3", so not the smallest oh, not the guy small, in the world. But maybe but on, on that, that defense. Blue line, yeah, maybe yeah, uh, other guys standing in the shadows. Um, the main thing, question mark, I should say, with Tampa Bay Lightning is Steven Stamkos and the health of him. Should that be a concern going into the season? Um, maybe talking to fantasy hockey owners out there, uh, Stammer time? Well, I am a Steven Stamkos fantasy hockey owner, and I am nervous. I mean, the guys had countless injuries. But the one injury that makes me the most nervous, it's not really injury, it's a health problem, is his blood clot issue. That's a very serious, serious thing because it's hard for teams to allow you to play when you're on blood thinners. Like, it's it's dangerous well, to Well, look at Miami, right? Chris Bosh. Exactly. That's where I was going with that. Chris Bosh, incredible player, still has, uh, as Clark MacArthur would say, lots of logs left uh, for the fire, Chris Bosh, and his career's over. Nobody wants to take a chance on him. So... If Stamkos has one more incident where his blood uh, clot becomes a problem, that could be the end of his career, and what a tragedy that would be. And his injuries seem to be inconsistent with one another. It's a broken leg, it's a blood clot, it's this, it's that. It's Year after year, it's something else. If, they, if he's not healthy, that team's not going anywhere. And you look at it last year, like you said, it would be a tragedy to lose this kind of talent because in the 17 games he's played, he showed he can battle back from injury because he put up 20 points, 9 goals, and 11 assists. And that would put him right around his career high, which is 97 in the show. So he would have been putting up 90 points, which he's done three times in the past in his NHL career. And, I mean, we've said it. You just said it, Brandon. He's one of the best talents that is in the NHL. And to lose a guy like that from the NHL would really be a tragedy. And Tampa would definitely... Definitely slide in the division if that were the case. And Stamkos, he, even though he has had health issues in the past, the pe- previous two seasons, 77 and 82 games, it's kind of interesting then that his first full season he missed, you mentioned 17 games, Nikita Kucherov's numbers just skyrocketed. He went for, he had a career high in points uh, with 85 in only 74 games. He missed eight games with injuries. And his goal totals jumped up 10 from 30 to 40. Can we expect a similar situation in, or a similar finish in terms of points? Or uh, is this the limit for Nikita Kucherov? I, I think Kucherov's here to stay. I mean, he made a lot of noise last year, and that was without Stamkos. Now put him on a line with Stamkos, and you've got a dangerous top line. I mean, they kinda, they've kind of they been having problems. Their left wing is absolutely weak with Nemesikov being the top guy. And I mean, he's got some skill, but he's just inconsistent. The guy can't seem to put it together. But if you're on a line with Stamkos and Kucherov, all you got to do is be on the ice and you should be effective. Well, it's very interesting when you look at Kucherov because like you said, he's going to be playing on Stamkos's line. But then you look at the power play and he was the main guy on that spot. Kind of what was dubbed the Stamkos area on the power play there. And... You look at it, and he had 17 power play goals last year, 
and 32 power play points. I'm not sure he gets that many touches on the power play when Stamkos is there. They are coming off opposite sides, but that becomes very easy to read. And yeah, you have Hedman at the top of that power play, but 32 points, I don't see... Maybe he gets that an assist, but he's definitely not putting up 17 goals, in my mind, on the power play because there's only one puck, guys. And uh, Tampa Bay also brought in probably the most hated player, uh, if you're a Senators fan right now, Chris Kunitz, uh, going to be anchoring that fourth line. Um, getting older uh, with Dan Girardi, kind of interesting to see um, those moves, but Steve Eisenman's only impressed since he's become GM there, so um, it's going to be quite interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, another uh, team that's getting a lot of talk, a lot, when don't they, but uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs made a couple uh, pretty important splashes. One we think plays out a little better than the other. Uh, Patrick Marlowe coming in. Uh, initial thoughts on that. Where do you think he should play in that lineup? Uh, I know some people think Austin Matthews. Others think that maybe he'd be more effective in a checking role with Nazem Kadri. Yeah, I, I'm with the latter choice there, Ross. I think Patty Marlowe slots in perfectly on a line with Kadri and Komarov because Kadri and Komarov, I don't know how much uh, Leafs hockey you guys watched last year, but these two, when they're on a line together, they are bickering, they are hot, they are emotional. Like, these two are intense, uh, emotional players. And then Marlowe's kind of like the the calm mediator. And if you can have Patrick Marlowe and Nazem Kadri on your third line, that's impressive. I watched way too much Leaf hockey. Living in Toronto, TSN 3 or whatever broadcast auto is always blacked out. Yeah. I feel you. Thank God for Game Center. <laughs> One guy on that line, though, you talk about Patrick Marlowe fitting in well, but then you got a guy, Zach Hyman, who I really think should get the award for coattail riding in the NHL because if he did not have Austin Matthews, would he even be in the NHL? Did you I hear mean, what Babcock said today? He said he's the best four checker in the league. No, I don't buy you it. You ever watch Mark Stone play hockey? This guy is put the in the spotlight besides 3-4 on that top unit. And William Nylander, if we're going to talk about fantasy hockey, I hope has a big year for me this year. But Zach Hyman, are you kidding me? I would like to see Patrick Marl up on that top line. He can keep up with the Young Bucks yeah. with Nylander and Austin Matthews up there. He's got the finishing touch, a target for Austin Matthews on the left side there. And I'm tired of hearing Zach Hyman's name. Get out of my face. But if it ain't broke, don't fix it. It worked last year. Didn't Hyman get a vote for uh First place Selkie, Selkie vote <laughs> last season. We I wonder were... what city that vote came out oh, of. Oh my goodness. Yeah, probably the same guy who left Carlson completely off the Norris ballot, which should revoke your status as a PWHA member. 28 points and a plus two. I don't want to talk about him anymore. Okay, he's done. You know what? I'm sick and tired of talking about the Leafs. Move Frederick on. Anderson can't show me a full season of productivity. And that's that about the completely unbiased season preview about the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, let's just get From all, the heart of enemy territory. Let, let's just get all the hate out right now. The Montreal Canadiens. It's a stupid question to ask two days after they put up nine on Ottawa. But where is the offense going to come <laughs> consistently throughout this season for Their the Montreal Canadiens? came against Ottawa. I think their biggest concern last year was top six scoring. This year, they've added to it by picking up Johnny Duran. Top six scoring, I think, turns into top three scoring, and they need that top unit to do well for them to have any productivity, which is Patch Reddy, Duran, and Gallagher. 
I think Gallagher can have a step up this season. He played only 65 games last year, did not put up the numbers he wanted to, but you saw him get a little bit away from that pest role. He was always kind of the poor man's Brad Marchand, if you will. The guy that, the little guy that'll go around running his mouth, you'll get under the skin of the, the other team and allow space for the other team. And if you have Johnny Duran between Max Pacioretty and Gallagher, I really think Gallagher can step up this season and have a better season if he's able to stay away from injuries. Pacioretty, you know he's good for 30 goals. And Johnny Duran had a good season offensively last year, we all saw. And he's the big name coming back to Montreal this season. So, or going to Montreal this season. So it's going to be interesting to see if Brandon Gallagher can, I guess I'll stay on the old cliche of riding coattails and really add to that point total and see if that they can solve the case of the uh, top six scoring woes in Montreal. The big thing that pops out to me about Montreal's top six is Galchenyuk. This guy was supposed to come in and be your number one center. He's supposed to be a big, big part of this franchise. And they've got him stuck on the wing this whole time because apparently he just can't play center. But he's struggling on the wing too. I mean, his point totals are down from last year. Big time. Well, he did miss some games, but the thing is, like, he was brought in to be their franchise guy. Third overall in 2012, and it it seems like it's just getting worse every year, and he's not being given the opportunity to get better. So I think unless Montreal figures out how to properly utilize Galchenyuk, that top six is going to be a mess. And how does Alex Hemsky fit into anybody's fourth line? (laughs) Unless unless he has Spezza. (laughs) He's good for one highlight goal. A year, and that's I was it. at the one against the Tampa Bay what Lightning ha- in Ottawa. What <sighs> happened to that 2014 draft class? Was that the one with Galchenyuk? No, 2012. 2012. Yeah, 2012. Um, but I will talk to Yakubov? you about the tw- I will talk to you about the 2014 class. What happened there? What's going to happen with Aaron Ekblad this year? Coming off a concussion at the World Cup and then his worst season by far. Minus 23, only 21 points. You know you're having a bad season when you're negative more than you have points. It's not looking good, or is it, Chris? Well, you look at a team that's going to be better this year in Florida. You're getting Why? guys back from injury. You're getting Barkov and Huberto for what hopefully for them will be a full season. So there's some top six scoring. But then you look at Aaron Ackblad, and it's another guy that's just kind of the same case as Steven Stamkos. Came on the scene hot, put up big numbers in Eric Ekblad's Aaron. Wow. Aaron Ekblad's place, it was definitely plus minus and time on ice that he was able to put up big numbers in. And he's He won st- the Calder ca- Trophy over Mark Stone and Johnny Goudreau. The guy's a stud on the blue line. He can play huge minutes for you. He's just always been able to do it well. Six foot four, two 216 pounds. He was a plus 20, sorry, a plus 18 in 2015, 2016, and a minus 23 in 16, 17. It's tough to see a slide like that from a guy that looked like he was going to be the next big name on the blue line for this generation. He kind of reminds me of someone who's also in Florida who is now considered among the best D-men in the league, Victor Hedman. You remember when he was drafted, I believe, third overall? He kind of fell a little bit. He was supposed to go one or two, fell to third, I think it was. He kind of struggled his first couple years in the NHL. Uh, Really bad first year, if I remember correctly. But then after his third, fourth year, he started to develop into the player that we know can get a Norris vote or multiple Norris votes like he did last year. So give Ekblad a couple more, another year at least, and then we'll see exactly how well he developed. Speaking of Victor Hedman, the NHL.com 
Uh, these are the same people that wrote an article listing the top 50 players in the league, and they correctly had Eric Carlson listed third. Um, today, if you go on their website, their lead is why Victor Hedman is the Norris favorite. Is this going to be a turn? Is this going to be turn. another year where a guy's due for a Norris Trophy? Because I'm pretty sick and tired of it. It's it, the Norris Trophy is becoming like a hot potato. Like just just pass it around. Let everyone have at least one Norris Trophy. Eric Carlson should have won three straight. Yeah, 82 points, 82 games, but uh, Buddy with 35 uh, gets it. Anyways, that's another topic. For so I'm another so mad time. about it. The big thing, guys, about Florida, the big sleeper, Evgeny Dadanov. This guy, really, he's really interesting to me, especially he's slated uh, to be on the top line with Barkov and Huberto. That could be massive. We've seen it's a new trend in the NHL, guys coming from the KHL and having success in the NHL. Uh, he was actually drafted by the Panthers way back in 07 in the third round. But his past three seasons in the KHL with St. Petersburg, he's really progressed. He's got 66 points in 53 games last year. And Jer, you'll like this. Most important stat in hockey. Finished with a plus 33. Tied for second in the entire league. Ten years later after being drafted, that's a slow That's play. called an investment, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> On Florida, though, how many teams have their captain ride in the fourth line? Yeah, the Derek McKenzie captaincy thing really confuses me, but who knows? Maybe he's a real good glue guy. Maybe if, he's... If Ekblad plays well this year, does he get it next year? Yeah, you'd have to think so. Derek McKenzie coming into the last year of his deal, you'd have to re... You'd have to judge that again, but as long as he's on the team, I don't think it's right to, to strip a guy of the No, seat. no, no stripping. I'm just saying, they only gave it to Derek McKenzie because they didn't want to give it to Ekblad. And yeah, they didn't really and, know where their franchise was going at that point, so yeah. I think they just stuck New it New Jersey's kind of in the same same place. with Andy Air. Green. Yeah. Speaking of guys who have been captain before, uh, Roberto Luongo is still miles away from becoming a free agent with that unreal contract that he's got. But is it about time for him to start sharing the crease with James Reimer? Ross, I think it's going to be more than sharing the crease. I think it's going to be a slow, gradual transition to having Reimer as the starter. And I mean, Reimer pretty much was the starter for a long time. Uh, Luongo got injured late, and Reimer pretty much held the crease the whole time. Unfortunately, that didn't work out so good for them. Florida was on pace to be a wildcard team last year, but then Ekblad had another concussion, and Luongo went down, and things just fell apart, unfortunately. Even... They even tried bolstering the lineup, picking up Thomas Vanek at the deadline, but it just didn't work out for them, unfortunately. So I think I think we're going to see Reimer slowly start to be kind of a, a 1A goalie, and then you're going to get Luongo as your 1B guy. Just got to give a little bit of love. This isn't Atlantic Division at all, but Calgary Flames, smartest team in the offseason, picking up Yager today. Awesome move by them. Yeah, well, Evgeny Dadanov is probably the, the biggest... Um, guy who has a chance to elevate most. Uh, Yager, of course, was on that top line uh, as as long as last season. Well, Yager will pretty much be replaced by uh, my boy, Redeem the Dream Vrabata. He'll slot in on that second line to replace the uh, veteran goal-scoring touch that Yager had. And just a quick... Just a quick shout out to Jamie McGinn. He's from Fergus, Ontario. That's uh, my old stomping grounds. So Florida made a move to pick him up. Not sure if trading Jason no. Demers was the right. I wasn't happy about the that. right thing there, but they're expecting big things from McGinn, and uh, hopefully the Fergus boy can show up. He is uh, known as a shift disturber. 
Uh, former Ottawa 67 as well. Likes to get his nose dirty in those areas. Uh, now let's move on to the Senators' first-round opponent from this past playoffs. Uh, these boys are talking about their fantasy team, so i got to give a shout-out to my sleeper, Anders Bjork. Um, this kid is an animal. 52 points in 36 games in at Notre Dame, rather, uh, this past season. And he's going to get a chance to impress. Uh, he's already done it to Bruce Cassidy because it looks like he's going to start the season in maybe the best spot, top five spot in hockey on a line with Patrice Bergeron and Brad Marchand. Um, kind of a, a situation where if you're a sniper, you have a defensively responsible player down the middle in Patrice Bergeron. And we all know the exploits of Brad Marchand Good last year. Good too. What I want to ask, though, about the Boston Bruins is this is a rebuild-on-the-fly type situation where they've got a lot of young guys coming in. Uh, now, JFK, Jakob Forsbacka Carlson just got cut as of today. Uh, he'll be back up, though. He's a stud uh, center out of the Boston University. Same team that has produced Charlie McAvoy, uh, who we remember really stepped up in a tough situation in the playoffs. Uh, is that a sign of things to come for the kid? Well, I mean, this kid is a guy that definitely showed last year that he has top unit potential and top ice time potential. And you talk about this kind of rebuild on the fly, and he's pretty much the biggest part of it. And for Zbeka Carlson, yes, will be big part of the future. So that's a big thumbs up to Boston for being able to pull that off. But a huge thumbs down to whatever is happening with David Pasternak there. Every time he was on the ice against centers in the playoffs last year, I was a little bit scared he was going to pot one. He's just got that almost Nikita Kucherov release on him. He can score from anywhere on the ice. And the way they handled his contract this offseason was so hard to watch. The guy fills the net for you. Pay the man. It's that, unbelievable well, it worked how out was... for them. <laughs> that average value is uh, looking very pretty for in the six-year contract. A lot of holes in that bottom six, though. Ryan Spooner coming into what could be a make-or-break season for him as a third-line center for that team. Uh, he's really got to produce. And then Zdeno Chera, I know he's still an animal, won the, the pull-up contest against his entire team at the age of 40. But there's got to be a fall-off. This guy has been at it, playing such a, a tough style for so long that you've got to think that the end is uh, is close I think we saw the fall-off start last year. He didn't have the same kind of year that he's used to having. The foot's... Still on that first pair, though. Well, he doesn't even have to have the foot speed because he can just reach back and save himself with that, that stick. But if the foot speed falls anymore, it doesn't matter how long his stick's going to be, especially with the game getting faster and faster every year, it seems like. But, again, getting Charlie McAvoy to come up just like that that's a great young guy who can fill Z's spot if that does become uh, the apparent need. Well, last year, Big Z, still a plus 18. The guy's still getting it done. Yeah, exactly. He's just had to kind of change his game a little bit. That's that's fair. Um, Tim Murray, poor guy. Uh, I actually thought he did a, a fairly good job of building this Buffalo Sabres team. Ran into a slew of injuries. Uh, injury after injury after injury, but... Also pulled off one of the biggest fleecings in recent trade history, which may be why Matt Duchesne hasn't been moved. The Colorado Avalanche, of course, giving the Buffalo Sabres Ryan O'Reilly uh, in exchange for Mikhail Grigorenko, Nikita Zadorov, uh, a couple other uh, little bits and pieces. Exactly who. Um, but 
you look at their roster, the way it's built is a roster to compete right now. With Jack Eichel and Ryan O'Reilly as your top two centers, they can go head-to-head with anyone in the Sam league. Sam Reinhardt is your third guy? That's not too bad either. No, and you yeah, and you have the option of moving him up on that Eichel line with Vander Kane. What is holding this team back from being a, a real competitor in the Atlantic division? I think you just mentioned it, and it's a Vander Kane. I mean, he's been kind of the guy since he's come over from Winnipeg. He's the guy in Winnipeg as well. The guy you expect to push the pace of the game every time he's on the ice and to score some goals for you, but he really hasn't done that in the last two seasons, and he's been injured. But I just think he's, I hate throwing this word around, but a cancer in the locker room. He's really tough for this team to get around Just check his Instagram. Yeah, exactly. And for him to have this kind of ordeal continue to happen, I think it's tough for Buffalo to not move on for him. From Did, him, didn't but, he take a helicopter to come to Toronto for the NBA All Star game? Had a game the next night. The guy's it's just too busy uh, having conversation with the stacks of money that he's pretending is his phone. But if you get a good winger back for him in a trade for another team, Jack Eichel and Jason Palmonville, which I thought was a good move in the offseason to bring him back. I have nightmares of 2006. I was sitting right on that blue line when he blew past Alfredson and tucked it past Ray Emery to, I think that was probably the best Senators team that's ever ha- ever been assembled in 2006. Um, where were you, Dominic Hasek? Where were you? You're just talking about Evander Kane getting moved for another winger. If I'm Buffalo, a winger is not who I'm looking for. I'm looking for someone on that back end to play with Ristolainen. Yeah. The only guy in the back end, Zach Bogosian, has been a mediocre player his whole career, no offense. Same with Bollier coming over from Montreal. It really, Marco Scandella, like, that's just a, a mediocre six guys. I mean, We're they still... gave up a couple roster players to get him, though. Tyler Ennis and uh, Marcus Foligno. Tyler, Tyler Ennis is in the, tw- his career is slowly winding down. His point totals have been garbage lately. And Felino is a great power forward, but that's not what Buffalo needed right now. And I don't, I know you guys don't, don't like Vander Kane, but he scored 28 goals last year, but... That's he, my point, though. You can trade that 28 goals for and, a decent second-pair guy, maybe? What happens with the Vander Kane will tell everyone what Buffalo is doing with their franchise. If they keep him, they're for real. If they trade him, then they're they're going to slow down and maybe get some picks, some prospects in return. Well, a couple big prospects coming up, maybe not this year, but Alex Nylander, the younger brother of William yep. Nylander, and Casey Middlestat, who... Um, got a lot of heat for not being able to do a single pull-up at the NHL Combine, but he is just dazzled at World Junior Evaluation Camp in the summer. And if you've seen the highlight of his latest play... Unreal. ...at the University of Minnesota, it is ridiculous. Ridiculous. Um, we've covered now the Atlantic Division. We're not going to get into the West, but uh, just give me one team to watch, Brandon, uh, from the Western Conference this season. I'm going to have to go Calgary Flames. We talked about it uh, off-air, guys. I think they're a sneaky pick for the contender. The one the one big thing is how good can Mike Smith be? The, the guy's been really reliable in Arizona with a terrible defensive core his, almost his whole career. And now he's playing with one of the best defensive cores in the league. And picking up Yager, like Jeremy said, was a nice move for the Flames. And I honestly think that they've now they now have the depth to to make noise in the Western Conference and in the playoffs. That's a team I don't want to face. No, and you mentioned the pickup of Jeremy Yager. Jeremy, where does he fit in that lineup? I mean, the guy put up forty five points last year, so that's still a top top nine at worst. Yeah, and definitely. for a million bucks, 
it's a steal no matter what where you put him. You can put him at the one spot. You can put him on the power play. Uh, you can put him on the four. And it doesn't really matter where you fit him in. It's just good marketing too. Everybody loves Yager. Like you, you guys know that Yager crew that goes to games <laughs> and they have all the jerseys. They're from Calgary. So oh man, those boys will be loving it. The guys should be around the whole league, but is that the first time he's played in Canada? Yeah, it is. And yep. it won't be hard for then the uh, the Yager crew, the traveling Yagers, to recruit another guy. Just grab one somebody from outside the rink. Uh, Jerry, same question for you. What's the one team in the West that you're looking out for? I'm looking in Texas, the Dallas Stars. They've been on and off. It seems like every year they make the playoffs, then they have up, they tank, and then they finish tops in the league, then they tank. Uh, last year they tanked, so finish top in the draft lottery, though. So this year I see them uh, bouncing back. Yeah, uh, Mark Mathod, of course, big pickup there, but the biggest is between the pipes, Ben Bishop, uh, huge not only in stature but uh, should bring some stability to a. A situation that was almost a laughing stock of the league. Where it they was had, a laughing Where stock. they had Don't Antti Niemi and Kerry Lettinen in goal there, platooning for $10 million. And I love the deal that they signed Bishop for. under Just under $5 million for six years. That's and, a great deal to get Ben Bishop and Don't forget up. they still have Tyler Sagan and Jamie Benn up front. And Jason, and Jason Spezza. Spezza. And Radulov. Like, and Hansel. That like, team is stacked. This team is so stacked. Yeah, and... I meant to put this into the Tampa segment, but uh, hearing Bishop kind of brings me back to it. Look out for Andre Vasilevsky this year. Um, Since the Ben Bishop trade last season, his save percentage went from 909 to 930. Uh, He he had a 12-4-2 record. Uh, 23 years old heading into this season. Should be able to take that number one spot down for Tampa. Uh, Chris, let's finish this off with you. What Western team you got your eye on? Well, they were just on the fringe of the wild card last year, and the youngsters, I think, will step it up this year. And the Winnipeg Jets are really a team that's been kind of bolstering for so long. And it feels like every time you flick on the World Juniors, the best player on each team is somehow going to the Jets. And I don't know. They've just got such a young unit, and I think this is their year. Mark Shifley got a lot better in his own end last year. I think he's turned himself into a very big feature centerman in this league. So I look for them to make a really big move. And do, you, do you trust Steve Mason as a number one goalie? With that top six D in front of him, I think it's interesting with that many good players in front of him. And they're avoiding the Jacob Truba saga that started them last year. And well, he signed year, a two-year deal, so this is contract year now for him. Exactly. I think he's going to step up big, and you always like big buff and those guys up front too. I really think this Winnipeg Jets team not only will make some noise, but are going to be a lot of fun to watch. I'm not going to go too deep into mine, but for me, it's the Minnesota Wild. Uh, Mikel Granlin coming off a great year last year. Uh, how about the resurgence of Eric Stahl? Um, people thought he was done when he went to the Rangers. He signed that that really uh, team-friendly deal to Minnesota. I think it was two years at like 3.5 a year, and he has just been outstanding for them. And just going back to the blue line quick, Matt Dumba, I think, is going to have yeah. a very big year for this Minnesota Wild team. And don't forget, guys, Devin Dubnik has changed his Talk career. Talk about resurrection, right? Well, yeah, like this guy went from zero to hero just like that. And with him in the net, and you got a good decor and so much depth in your forwards, they're going to have a good year. And now it's time for everybody's favorite segment of Making Sense of the Sens. What do we got today, birds? Oh, God. We actually have no idea what he's going to ask us. It's time for Prairie Fire. 
All right, in this round of Prairie Fire, first question I'm gonna throw to Pillar. The Calgary Flames signed Yarmir Yager today. Can you tell me how many teams he's played for? Also, what do you think of the signing? Teams he's played for, Pittsburgh, Washington. Where do you go after that? I know he went to another team. Billy. Rangers. Rangers, yeah, Rangers. He was one of the veteran free agents. Philly, only. Dallas, New Jersey, Boston. Then he went to Florida, played in Florida for a while, and now he's in Canada. He's playing in Calgary. And I had to work really hard to remember that, so what was your other part of the question that there, That was all nine attaboy pills. What do you think of the signing? Love it. I'm, and I mean, the Sens Twitter sphere was calling for the Sens to sign Yager, and I know a big part of teams holding off on Yager is he reportedly wanted a no-trade clause. I don't know if that's part of his deal in Calgary, but even if, even if he does want that no-trade clause, Keep him for a year, because like I said earlier, that marketing value of having Yager on her team, the fans love him. And I would have bought a Sens jersey if Yager signed. Exactly. A Heritage Sens Yager jersey would be so nasty. So I, I think it's a great signing, and all other 30 teams missed out on a big opportunity. Next one, I'm going to kick over to Jermaine. Leafs, Jets, Flames, Oilers, Blues, Pens, and Sharks, Flyers. Which one of tomorrow's opening night matchups are you most excited for and why? You want to list those off for me again there, birds? Leafs, Jets, Flames, Oil, Blues, Pens, and Sharks, Flyers. Which one of tomorrow's opening night matchups has you the most excited? All right, that's pretty easy. I think we're going to go to Alberta where the Sens have a back-to-back -back pretty soon. Anytime you can watch Connor McDavid, I think it's pretty obvious that that's going to be your choice of uh, what gets you excited. And then for him to go up against Gaudreau. Travis Hamnick's debut for the Calgary Flames as well. Yeah, get to see uh, Mike Smith. Start his uh, Calgary Flames career. That's definitely uh, definitely what I'm going to watch for. See if he can handle the mcdavid Drysaddle duo. All right, Roscoe, it's hard to argue that there is a better first line in hockey right now than Edmonton's Maroon, McDavid, and Drysaddle. Who's number two in your opinion, or is there a line that is better? Well, you can't look past the back-to-back -back Stanley Cup champs. I know neither winger has really made a name for themselves just yet. But when you have Sidney Crosby in the middle, it's going to be a top line. The way Jake Gensel excelled in the playoffs, especially in that Columbus series. Um, Connor Sheary bringing that energy, kind of that two-way game. Uh, I look for not only that line to be great, but for Jake Gensel to put up 30 to 40 goals this season. All right, Mr. Parliament, end of the season. Which total is higher? Riley Shahan's goals or Jakob Markstrom's wins? Wow, uh, that's a tough one, Perch, but I definitely think that Riley Sheehan has a back bounce back year because he really struggled last year. But really struggled. <laughs> Scored his first and second goal in the last game of the season. Last game of Joe Lewis as well. Last that's something to build off Lewis. of. I think he's going to have a good year. He's a good two-way guy, but I think he's going to catch a couple more bounces this year. It's going to be tough for him, but he plays he's for Detroit. The team might not get as many wins as he gets goals. <laughs> okay, guys, last one. We'll go real quick around the horn. Uh, THN took Clayton Keller. TSN, they took Hershey. Who is your pick for top rookie this year? Who's going to have the best rookie season? Well, I'm going to start because I'm most excited about him. It's going to be Anders Bjork from the Boston Bruins. I'm going to brink it. If Dabrinkit gets any time playing with Kane, he's going to be the next Panarin, and he's going to explode. Nolan Patrick already made Philadelphia's lineup and bring back those big bad flyers and he's gonna he's gonna be the new start to that, the big kid, and he's power forward already. Let's see him go. 
New Jersey put up nine against Ottawa. Hishir was part of that nine. He looked pretty good in the preseason. I like that first overall pick. Thanks, boys. All right, and thank you to our lovely producer, Brendan Purdy, for lining up another exciting, extravagant segment of Prairie Fire. That's all for us. We're really excited to get the NHL season underway starting Wednesday, Purdy, not tomorrow. Uh, You blew it on that one. Um, But we'll be back in time probably after the Thanksgiving weekend, so enjoy the holidays, enjoy Sens hockey, and go Sens go! Let's go, Senators!